0: There came a moment this week when I was trying to figure out what, how, what the Lord wanted me to talk about today that I just had that sobering thought that I'm going to have to stand before God and give an answer for everything that I've taught you. And it made me want to quit. <laughs> it got me. Man, it just made me go, oh, Father, you talking your word about blessed is the man who rightly divides the word of truth. And I just go, oh, man, I want to. That hit me, and then the older I get, the more it made me think, I want to veer less and less off the path of the well-beaten and worn path of Scripture, especially of what Jesus said. So when we go through these questions and talk about them, especially a question like this morning, isn't it exclusive to claim that Jesus is the only way to God in heaven? I've got to make sure that we find an answer on a foundation that is unmovable. We've got to, And the only thing that I have found that's unmovable in all my days, and I think you found it too, it's Jesus. He's the only unmovable resource, person, substance there is. It really is Jesus. So if we're going to ask this question, we need to let Him answer it. We need to let him answer it because there is no one who has ever lived before or now that said and did and claimed what he said and did and claimed. And I don't think our culture or our age is any more confused than any other culture or age. I know we talk about that a lot of times. We talk about how terrible our culture is. I do. I say that. But you know, I, th- I think in Jesus' day, I think his culture and age... Was intensely pluralistic. It had people going all sorts of directions, maybe even more than our age. So when Jesus publicly says things like, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection, these statements are extremely. Clearly exclusive. But there was one statement that Jesus made that was the most unpopular and the most offensive of them all. It's the main text that we're using this morning. John chapter 14 and verse 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I got to tell you the fact that he's bringing rain and thunder right now in that moment. I pray God doesn't waste, doesn't let us waste this moment. Let nobody in this room waste this moment. What a moment. This word right here that you're looking at was the most controversial and exclusive word of them all. And Jesus' followers were filled with such passion to share this word. This word, a message of an all-inclusive Savior with a very exclusive message. And why was it their passion? Because they knew that this exclusive message was the only hope for a lost world. They knew that there was no hope outside of Jesus for salvation. That's why in the book of Acts, the book of Acts, right, it's right after the resurrection of Jesus, and it's the people starting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and this word of his resurrection starts to spread. That's why in the fourth chapter in the 12th verse, you can see that this is what this is what they were standing on. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This exclusive message was difficult for people to hear back then, and it is still resisted today. Now, I know in our culture sometimes we frown on anything exclusive because we say that you're just not being tolerant. And intolerance is anathema. That's, that's the worst thing of all. But the exclusiveness of Jesus' words It's not something that's uncommon in the world religions. I mean, Muslims claim this exclusive message when they claim that the Quran is the only word of God. And Hinduism is exclusive in that it refuses to compromise regarding their specific understanding of the law of karma. And Buddhism makes exclusive claims that there is absolutely no supreme being They stand very strong on that. But the bottom line is, many religions have exclusive claims. So why is it that it's only resistant, it seems, to Christianity and Christ? And I don't think it's that way just because I'm a Christian. Why is when we talk about the world of disbelief in religions, why is the one that's organized, that is spoken of more than anything else, atheist? A theist is a believer in the one central God. You are all theists. That's a very very easy way to understand. We believe in Theo. Theo is the Latin word for God. Theist. So an atheist, an atheist, is not a believer in the one central God. Why don't we have ah, Buddhism? Why don't we have ah, Islamist? Why, Why is it just atheist? I think it's because of the nature of real spiritual warfare silly example to make a point nobody is offended in this room at the tooth fairy for its exclusive claim to our children's teeth nobody in this room is offended at the Easter Bunny for its exclusive deployment of Easter eggs I know it's a silly example but doesn't it point to the reality of spiritual warfare why don't atheists have the concerted efforts against the other religions of the world? Why do atheists concentrate the vast majority of their arguments and efforts against Christ and His sinless life and His atoning death and His resurrection and His ascension to heaven? They want to break those basic doctrinal truths about Jesus down more than anything else. The reason that they're fighting against Jesus It's because that's the only area that offends the evil forces in and around our world. Remember what is said in Ephesians 6.12? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Question. If Jesus is the only way to God then what religion, hands down, has faced more persecution than all other religions combined? You already know the answer to that. Why do atheists fight more against the Bible and Christianity than anything else? Why does our world through the millennia oppose the Bible and Christianity more than any other sect or group of people? It's because that's who the devil and his angels are against. Jesus knew that this was going to be the case. In fact, this passage that I'm going to talk to you about is something that just recently hit me when we had Matilda's dad's funeral, my father-in-law's funeral. And I brought this up in the passage. Is that time that John the Baptist was really discouraged and he was in prison? Look at this. This is Matthew chapter 11. John is wanting to find out if Jesus is who he says he is. He's not thinking that he's the son of God. So, look what it says. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who's to come, or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not fall away because of me. Not everyone, Jesus says, will accept my words. In fact, some will find my words so offensive that they will fall away from the faith. Sometimes following Jesus will mean people decide to go different ways. And we've all experienced that. Haven't you had friends at school that didn't know that you were a Christian or people at work that didn't know you were a Christian? Maybe a relationship. And then suddenly they find out and they find out you're not just a Christian, but you are, you're all in on this Christ business. Maybe you had a connection with a common movie, or maybe you guys went to eat lunch together and you enjoyed a great meal, and you had some laughs, and you just had a great But somehow, when they find out that you're a Christian, they, it's almost like they say, all right, load up the brick and mortar, and they begin building the, the barrier between you and them. It, 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 that, that's it. And we can't do those things together anymore if, if you're going to have this. You guys, that doesn't just happen with people we know and work and go to school with. That, that happens in our own families. Jesus foresaw this. He spoke that if we follow Him, this is some of what you might expect. This is Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Look what Jesus says. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace. But a sword. What does a sword do? It divides. A sword. I have come, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Jesus is saying... Because not everyone will receive my words, there will be a sword of division that will happen. In fact, one time it affected Jesus so much that he had this discouraging question he said to his closest followers. Let's pick up the text. This is in John chapter 6, starting with verse 60. Look what happens. Jesus just gave them a really, really difficult word. And they said, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, Ooh. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Do my words offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray Him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And after Jesus said that, look what happens. From this time, many of His, of his disciples turned back and no longer followed Him. And look at Jesus' question. Can you feel Him hurting on this? You, you don't... You don't want to leave too, do you? He sees all of these people walk away from him. He gives them the truth, and they, they don't want to hear it. And so they just leave Jesus. And Jesus sees these disciples walking off, and so he looks at some of them. He asks those closest to him, the 12 closest to him. He, he says, well, you, y'all, y'all don't want to go too, do you? And Peter, Peter stuck his foot in his mouth so many times, but this is one of the times, oh, man, he came through. Look what Peter said. He said, well, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, when it comes to this choice of eternal life, Jesus doesn't want there to be any questions. He speaks with doubtless clarity. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. And the way is not a path or a road or a list of do's and don'ts. No, the way, the way is a person. We don't get to the Father because we happen to choose the right road. No, the road is Jesus. We, we get to Him through Jesus. Jesus is explaining He's the only way to God. He's the exclusive way to God. He's the inclusive Savior to all who want to get to God through Him. I I grew up with the King James Version. The, the preachers I first cut my teeth on, they loved the King James Version. So a lot of my memory was done in the King James Version. There's one word that we don't use anymore that's in the King James Version that still, when I hear it, I just feel this warm goo go all over me. I love this word. You know what the word is? Whosoever. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting. life. Whosoever, whosoever will may come. We had an invitation song. God would stand up there at the end of the service and whosoever will, may come. I mean, we we lived in that word. That just said, if you want him, his arms are open. He's an all-inclusive savior, and yet he has an exclusive word. I am the way. That's the first part. The second part he says is, I am the truth. And when Jesus says, I am the truth, he's not saying merely that he is truthful. He is. He wasn't saying merely that his teachings are truth. They are. What he was saying is, truth isn't words of wisdom, and truth isn't excellent teaching. Truth is me. Jesus says, truth is a person, and that person is me. I am the truth. Without truth, there's no coming to know God. Y'all, there's no coming to God. As believers in Jesus and the Son of God, we literally wait for His second coming to this earth. We long for the appearing of truth. We think truth, which is the name that He's used in Revelation again and again, that truth will be riding the white horse and coming back to this earth. The psalmist even got a feel of this. David, look what David said when he's out watching sheep and writing hymns. Look what he says in 255. Lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation for you I wait all the day long. And when Jesus says I am the life, he's not just saying abundant life here and now. He's also speaking of our life in the future that will be beyond our wildest fantasies. So life isn't just being born and given the ability to breathe air in and out. That's what seems like what life is, but oh no, life is much more. Life is a person. Look what Jesus said in John five twenty four. Very truly I say to you, I tell you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. You believe in Jesus. You've already had this incredible crossing over experience. Jim, how do I know? Because Jesus said it and you accept it in faith. You're no longer in a state of death with God. You've, you've believed in Jesus. You've crossed over. That could be your new catchphrase. I can't believe it. What's going on? I've crossed over. Some people say that in a way that doesn't mean anything good. Crossover is the best thing. You've gone from death to life. Life is a person. I love how one preacher put it. In the end, finding the way means finding life. Believing the truth brings real life. And Jesus is the way, and he is that truth, and he is real life. This exclusive message from the word, this word specifically from Jesus' mouth, is even confirmed by the uniqueness of Jesus' life. You guys, what other religion has the creator sacrificing his own son for the creation's sins? No myth has come close to that. What other religion has the Creator coming to the earth in the form of His Son and living a perfect life? What other religion has this sent Son fulfilling numerous prophecies, hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament, written hundreds of years before, some thousands, to a perfect T, you know, the fulfillment of prophecies that are hundreds, even thousands of years old is an astronomical probab- probability that we can't even fathom. But it's just one after another. What other religion has this one sent performing many eyewitness miracles? What other religion has this one sent raising himself from death and burial and appearing to over hundreds of people before he ascended into heaven, which was also witnessed by man? What, what other, you know, in those appearances, do you know he appeared to, over, he appeared to hundreds of people? One time Jesus in his resurrected body appeared to over 500 people that were all gathered in that one moment. You know, if you were a part of that 500 and that would have been written about while you were alive, you know what you would have done? You would have said, ah, hey, I was a part of that group. He never showed. That didn't happen. All of these people said, true. True. What other religion has recorded all of this in a book with a myriad of eyewitness accounts? You guys, no other religion has the kind of evidence that we have. And I say we not to say, look at us. I say we to say, look at God. The evidence is just outstanding. Lee Strobel has a story he tells about some friends of his who have a baby girl that developed jaundice. Y'all know what jaundice is. You know, it's that liver disorder that causes that yellowish tint color to come over the skin and in the whites of the eyes. Some of our kids had this. It's unnerving. Well, they did like any parent would do. They take their kid to the doctor. Jaundice is a serious condition left untreated, but it's got an easy cure. It can be easily cured. The baby simply has to be put under a special light. After putting the baby under this special light, the liver again begins to function normally. Now, the parents could have listened to this doctor and what he explained needs to happen to their little girl, their little baby girl. But, and they could have responded by saying, Doc, I got to tell you, this sounds a little too easy. Just putting our baby girl under a light? Come on now. How about if we just really scrub her up with soap and water and dip her in some bleach? Certainly that will work. If we, if we work on it hard enough, and her color will return, the doctor would respond, listen, maybe I didn't make myself clear. There's only one cure for your daughter. The parents might say, well, you know, what if we just kind of ignored your advice on this and pretended that everything was okay? I mean, the jaundice, that, that, that's your truth, doctor. It isn't our truth. We're going to take care of her on our, on our own. The doctor would come back much more earnestly. He would say, You're going to jeopardize the life of your child if you do that. There is only one way to cure this little girl. You're hesitant to pursue this treatment because it sounds too easy and it's foreign to you and you haven't learned this. But please look at the credentials on my office wall. I've studied this at medical school. I have used what I've learned and I have treated and seen babies cured one after another. Please, trust me. If those parents would finally say, well, you make a good point. All right. Would anyone in the world say, I tell you what, those parents are so ignorant and narrow-minded to submit their child to the only known exclusive cure for jaundice. Well, nobody would do that. We would all rejoice that that baby girl's okay. You guys, every one of us in here has a terminal illness. You know what it's called? Sin. And of all the religions in the world, only one directly addresses it and has a proven cure. And we try to scrub away at our lives with a bunch of good deeds, but guess what? It won't work. Only the great physician offers a treatment that will completely remove all evidence, all stain, all of the disease of sin. At the beginning of this sermon, I, I shared with you, I had that thought that, you know, I'm going to stand before God and have to give an answer for everything that I taught you. And that, boy, that just got me thinking about that this week. And I also shared that, I, I said, well, that makes me think the older I get, the less I want to veer from the beaten path of Scripture. So you know what I want to do at the end of this sermon? As this light rain hits our roof, it's kind of, kind of like we're in Noah's ark. We're okay. We're safe. I'm just going to read you from God's holy written word. God, how would you answer this question? Isn't it exclusive to claim that Jesus is the only way to you in heaven? So let's see what God's holy written word would say in answer. Therefore brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The next one, John 1.10. He was in the world, Jesus, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. He came to His own, And His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 3, 18. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. 1 John 5.10 Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about His Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. 1 John 2, 23. No one who denies the Son has a Father. Whoever, whosoever, whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Jesus Christ Matthew 17:5 While he was still speaking a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud saying This is my son whom I love with him I am well pleased listen to him And finally Hebrews 9:11 But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here He went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not a part of this creation. He did not enter it by means of the blood of goats and calves, but He entered the most holy place once for all by His own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Exclusive? Most definitely. Why? because God didn't want getting to the Father. Jesus didn't want getting to the Father, something that any of us would misunderstand. You know what I find ironic? This most exclusive word that Jesus gave, the text we keep saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one comes to the Father except. This most exclusive text, do you know the context that this is in? Y'all, this is in the context of Jesus' most comforting words of promise and hope. It's what's read at funerals more than any other text in all of the scripture except for Psalm 23. You know what the text, let's look at the context. This is Jesus now. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You guys, that's why we sing in Christ alone. The inclusive Savior who welcomes all is the exclusive way to God and heaven. I pray this moment of that light rain and these great words from God's written truth. I pray this moment isn't wasted.